Chapter 1. Listen. How can we listen across species, across extinction, across harm? How does echolocation, the practice many marine mammals use to navigate the world through bouncing sounds, change our understandings of vision and visionary action? Is social media already a technology of bounce, of throwing something out there and seeing what comes back? This is where we start our trans-species communion, opening a space to uplift the practice of listening even more than the practices of showing and proving and speaking up. Listening is not only about the normative ability to hear, it is a transformative and revolutionary resource that requires quieting down and tuning in. Once upon a time, there was a giant sea mammal who weighed up to 23 tons swimming in the Bering Sea. In 1741, a German naturalist discovered Hydrodemalis gigas swimming large and luke's at least three times bigger than the contemporary manatee. Within 27 years, the entire species was extinct, killed on thousands of European voyages for fur and seal skin. So she knows what we know. It is dangerous to be discovered. 27 years. Who else could only tolerate 27 years among Western humans? Jimi Hendrix, Jean Michael Basquiat, even Amy Winehouse, and Kurt Cobain. 27 years is such a short time. How do we mourn and survive the violence of being known? How does capitalism so quickly destroy what took billions of years to evolve? What do we know about this subungulate mammal related to elephants and aardvarks? She had blubber and was hunted for it. They say she couldn't sing. The only sound was her breathing, but she could hear for miles and miles and miles. What a love for listening. What a loss for listening. How can we honor it, the archive of your breathing? Some say your death was only incidental. You were so conveniently located on the favorite path of sealers and fur traders between Russia and North America. Those 27 years were like a gold rush, fueled by the desires of fashionable Europeans for fur hats and coats a fashion trend sparked by colonizing North America, a supposedly endless supply of fur. They were on their way to get sealskin and fur. They would kill you and eat you during the journey there. Does that make anyone feel better? Keep anyone warm? 
that your extinction, the first known extinction of a marine mammal caused by humans, was collateral in the pursuit of other deaths. Oh, you rough mermaid, what are you teaching us about breath? Oh, massive vegetarian, what do we now that out of listening is that much smaller? What do we do now that our listening is that much smaller? I think you're more than evidence of the deadliness of a world in which skin is for sale at a premium. I think you are more than another testament of the stark implications of European voyaging. More than an indictment of the rush. More than the folly of a dominant way of living that changes the planet quickly, thoughtlessly, forever. More than the deadliness of an insatiable hunger born of chasing things other than sustenance. That hunger outlived you. I feel it chasing me too. What can I do to honor you now that it is too late? I would honor you with the roughness of my skin. The thickness of my boundaries, the warmth of my own fat. I would honor you with my quiet and my breathing, my listening further and further out and in. I would honor you with the slowness of my movement, contemplative and graceful. I would try to be like you even though they say it's out of fashion. I will remember you. Not by the name written in the possessive of the one they say discovered you after generations of indigenous relationship. I will, I will say, once upon a time there was a huge and quiet swimmer a plant-based, rough-skinned listener, a fat and graceful mammal. And then I will be quiet so I can hear you breathing. And then I will be breathing and you'll remind me. Do not rush. And the time in me will hush and then we will be listening for real.
In the past 20 years, bioacoustic scientists have spent a lot of time listening to different populations of Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphins. These dolphins, like most dolphins, know something about intentional sound, about when to use high frequencies to find out where they are, and when to use low frequencies to reach you across this increasing ambient noise. Echolocation and communication overlap, but they also diverge. Sometimes the sounds I make are about measuring my surroundings. Sometimes there is something I need to tell you. Usually it's both. Dolphins use the fat to their foreheads to modulate their biosonar listening, which sounds about as elegant as what I do with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm communicating with you underwater. The impact of what I say outlives what I learned by saying it. And the ambient noise grows louder and the ocean is heating up and I need you to know where the bottom is, what will feed us, how close are the sharks. Sometimes my best guess echoes back on me. Sometimes my best guess echoes back to me like a slap in the face and I remember I know nothing. This fat forehead needs you and all your guesses too in this dynamic space which is to say I am humbly listening and I am learning to take responsibility for my frequencies. I can lower them to reach you. I can reflect before I speak out. Echolocation is not the same as mind reading. Some of this magic is just the complexity of being a mammal alive in sound. I can hear what I cannot see yet. I can make a whole world of resonance and live in it, swim through it, reflecting you. Whistle, click if you can feel that I am here. They say river dolphins don't leap as much as dolphins in the ocean. Because of turbid flows of rushing water, they do not trust their eyes. Their eyes grow small. Echolocation becomes crucial. Their listening becomes more nuanced. They become experts of shape and shape themselves to become narrow. reaching forward like the river. River dolphins all over the world, in the Ganges and Amazon rivers, for example, are not close genetic relatives, but they are remarkably physically similar. They have grown common forms due to their common circumstances. Have you grown that way, riverine? in a context that moves so quickly that looking at it tells you almost nothing. 
Are you evolving a deeper way of listening where you are? Could we become students of shape precise enough to move with the grace and flexibility our circumstances requires even though your river is not my river? I am amazed by how much listening can do. How quickly it becomes less important to be seen, to leap, to show. And those who study river dolphins know it too. Don't bother looking for these teachers who will rarely jump or push. You have to listen for them. Try to hear them breathe. I breathe in shape. I shape my days while land contours me at two sides. I shape my breath to wind through winding paths ahead. I shape my head to fit the purpose of my breath. My breath is prayer, the shape of life, evolving name. All I can see is just the blur that says life moves. I stay in prayer and reach to listen for your breath. There is a dolphin found only on the shores of Auraria. A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. Otaria? That the Maori sometimes call tupopo, which also means to rise up, to toss and turn, to be seriously ill. Word is, Maori meteorologists have been studying these dolphins for centuries to gain insights about the weather. What we might have to endure and how soon. And should we go out to sea or stay in? And will the sky fall on us yet? And where will the wind take us? Western scientists have classified the leaping of Tupopo in three ways, horizontal, vertical, and noisy. Noisy means you land on your side, on your back, on your belly. You rise up, toss and turn, and for a moment, when you fall, the ocean is a drum. And someone is listening, because how you move, how you land, is a sign of the weather to come. And you rise up, and you fall loudly and you toss and turn, and something about this climate makes you sick. Doesn't it? And I am listening too, because of what you do and its direction, how you fall and the sound, where you go and how quickly. These tell me something about what is coming in a sky I can't see yet. And I love you for all of your splashing, what you did with your body, how you made it a drum. And I say your play and your thrash are prophetic. And I say your name is a verb, a demand. And I offer my days to your urgent instruction. 
the weather is changing. Yes, I understand. Hashtag weather and wake. Hashtag thank you, Christina Sharp.